Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. I'm Andrew. And I sure am Kelly. Special day for us, Kelly. Christmas time is here. Uh-huh. I don't know the words. After oh, it's that. happiness and cheer. Oh, ha- ha- happiness and cheer. Okay. I don't know the rest. Oh, okay. Well, Merry Christmas to all those who celebrate. Yeah. Well, it's, what, December 19th for y'all. Um, so Christmas will be a few days away, if that's what you celebrate. Just a few sleeps away. Just a few sleeps until you Santa drops a bunch of games under your tree, hopefully. Maybe he'll get you the Switch, too. That'd be... Wow. Yeah. I guess we should note, what if the Switch 2 gets announced on our break? It won't. I don't think that's going to happen. Nothing gets announced like that during Everybody's like, the holiday Everybody's on holiday. Season. Yeah. Yeah. But what if, like, because, like, off the, just to cover our butts right now, this we're not covering news this week, next week, or the following. We are recording right now, December 17th, on a Sunday, which is unusual for us. We're doing a bunch in a row so that we can take a nice holiday break because we hate the show and we need a break from it. Um, right, Kelly? Yeah. Big old break. Yeah. it's te- This show sucks. Um, <laughs> but that means that we will not have any big news. I know a couple big stories came out in the past few days. Um, so if you're curious on our thoughts on maybe a certain Kojima television show or a certain cancellation of a certain Naughty Dog video game, I have so many things to say and I have bad news. You'll hear about it in January. <laughs> Yeah, because we'll what we'll probably do the the Christmas catch up episode or holiday break catch up episode because you know we'll game a ton over our break. Well, I will. I think Kelly's just going to go into hibernation. Actually, that's what she. Well, you know me. I like to eat a lot and then I like to sleep a lot. And there's only one time a year when I can do both. I've been so hungry today for like, it's just insane how hungry I've been today. Me too. I've had multiple meals and like I'm so excited for the spaghetti I have in the fridge for after this episode's over. (laughs) I don't see. I didn't eat today. I had a little Belvita breakfast bar and that was it. And I'm starving. And but my mind is sharper when I'm hungry because my animal instinct kicks in. I was going to say we have three episodes to record. Are you going to be okay? Uh, Yeah. Check back in with me in like an hour and then we'll talk. Okay. Yeah. We might be taking a, a, an extended break between episodes and then just coming back and you just hear Kelly just like <laughs> I'll do uh, eating ASMR like they That'll do be, on YouTube yeah we'll like release like a bonus episode between episodes and it's just Kelly eating yeah it'll be on our Patreon yeah we started a Patreon and it's only for that um oh. yikes as a, <laughs> as a little note because I feel like we didn't acknowledge this well I mean we didn't for sure um, you know, we have analytics for the show and to be honest with you guys, I don't, I feel like we don't really look at it cause it's just like, I know that people listen because we get feedback and I'm having a good time making it. Um, mm-hmm. but there was a really big bump in the past, like 30 to 60 days. I don't know if the algorithm just decided we needed to be shown to some new people, but there was a really like, like a 300% bump in our monthly listeners. And obviously that that'll drop. That's a temporary bump, but you know, if you're here from that, like if that bump was you, if you're from the algorithm, you know, the algorithms like try this show. Welcome. I'm so excited to have anybody new joining the Talking Games family. Me too. Welcome. I hope that I don't scare you away. But if I do, I apologize in advance. Sometimes I, like- I say <laughs> things that are not appropriate for podcasting. I like the idea that we have that like 300% bump, but it doesn't account for the fact that when every person gets to you making a sound, they're just like, done. Yeah. No more. Or not even making a sound, just lusting over video game characters. But I feel like that's part of why our audience is here. For sure. Your, for your extreme interest in certain video game characters. I'm sure well, we'll talk about a couple of them today. That's a really nice way for you to say that. Thank you. Yeah. uh should we kick off our game of the year special yeah let's away this will just be very casual it's just i i got a list of candidates i got a list of honorable mentions that i don't think are quite in the running 
for Game of the Year. And then uh, some disappointments to close out the show. And then Kelly has the exact same thing. I don't know why I said I like Kelly doesn't have that. And then uh, we'll tell you what our Game of the Year is. To be fair, I don't have any honorable mentions. Well, that's kind of stupid. I played like five video games this year. You played a few video games just... This uh, my list is entirely games that came out this year. So I'm because I played a lot that didn't come out this year that I would have put on the list, mm-hmm. but that's cheating. Right. I have mine in chronological order though. So should I start with January? Sure. I'm gonna kick off the list with Tango GameWorks' new rhythm action game, Hi-Fi Rush. This game came out as a real surprise. Shadow dropped. Um. But it's, I mean, it's not quite a full game in the sense that it's not full price and it was a little on the shorter side, but it was structured like a a Bayonetta, Devil May Cry action game, third person, but your hits have to be to the rhythm for them to be fully effective. I like this game a lot. I think the visual style was really sharp and especially in the last half, the story kind of came together really nicely. I don't think I have to say that the music was good because it's a like that's the point of the game. And they have a ton of licensed music in there that they worked with really well. Um, Robbie Damon knocked it out of the park as the lead character. And I thought it was a really nice, uh, a nice change of pace for Tango because, you know, this is not the evil within. It is it's quite a bit different from their other games. And I think that's a really cool idea. And I hope that they have I hope this provides them a lot of opportunity to continue trying new things and making entirely new formulas for them to work with. Hi-Fi Rush, candidate number one. Woo! I'm going to, I have a lot more than Kelly, so I'm going to just keep going. I'm not making (laughs) Sorry, I I don't have anything to say about Hi-Fi Rush. I didn't play it, but I I think that it looked cool. I mean, I like the design. Is when I have something that you also have, I'll have you read it so it doesn't seem like I'm uh, the conductor of the train. (laughs) <laughs> well, you are the conductor, and I'm the person shoveling coal in the back. <laughs> the stoke. I'm the stoker. Kelly the stoker. Well-known Sto- Bram Stoker over here. That's my job, and That's I'm good jo- at it. I You're keep the train it. running. Good job. You direct where the train goes, but I keep it running, right? Uh, yeah. D- I which- think we both keep it running. I think you actually do most of the work, and I'm just, like, covered in coal and sweat. I don't understand this metaphor. Okay, why don't we go over your second candidate for Game of the Year? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My second candidate for Game of the Year came out not that long after Hi-Fi Rush. Octopath Traveler 2. This is a turn-based RPG from Japan over at Square Enix. The 2D HD team made a game inspired by old SNES-style video games. Um game has eight main characters, all with their own plot lines that converge together in a really nice way at the end, with a lot of little crossovers in the middle. Um, Huge, huge improvement over Octopath Traveler 1, both mechanically and more importantly to me, more importantly to me, narratively, um, because the characters actually weave together. In the original game, they were extremely separate until an optional final thing, whereas this game, uh, everybody has their own stories, but there's also crossover chapters. And everything weaves together really nicely at the end with some actual uh, plot. Like, there's some plot intent behind things. Um, I think this is the best 2D HD game I've played. Mm. It might be tied with Triangle Strategy from last year, which was sort of a surprise for me. Um, But as far as this formula specifically, I loved it, and I'm excited to see where they go next, especially since they made Octopath 1, the Live Alive remake, and now the second. I do think this is a formula we'll see more of. Um, (coughs) And it seemed like it did really well, so I'm excited to see more of it. And kudos to Square Enix for this this lovable game. Did you travel that Octopath? (laughs) Do you want to read the next pick? Sure. So uh, <laughs> Andrew's number three is also a candidate for me. Uh, who's excited, you guys? Resident Evil 4 remake, which came out in March. Um, Ugh, that's so I know. I know. Um, I felt like we talked about this game quite a bit when it came out, so I won't say too much. Um, I have really enjoyed the remakes. I know 3 wasn't everybody's favorite, but... I enjoyed three. Um, I think four 
I think second is the best still, but four okay. is the second best. Um, f- four to me is like a really different Resident Evil game. Um, you know, you spend two and three in Raccoon City, and then the first one you're in the mansion. So this was really a different atmosphere. I feel like they did a really good job of recapturing that atmosphere from the original four. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't play the Ada DLC. You played it, right? Because you talked about it. Yeah. I don't think it would affect its placement on this. I liked it. It was just more Resident Evil 4, but it was exactly, it was just more. Like it didn't didn't increase its chances of game of the year. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I really enjoyed this game. I played it. uh, Gosh, I never finished it. No? No. Now that I think about it, I got really far. I I, I do this thing where I get really, really far in games, and then I just kind of stop playing them. No. Um, Yeah? (laughs) Can you believe it? Um, But I I would like to revisit this in the future just because I did really enjoy it. I just, I think another game came out in May that may have uh, ate up some of my time there. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah. I really did like this remake. Um, My experience with 4 is... I played for way long ago on PS2 when I was like really into video game history for a minute. Um, I I didn't finish it because it was I had a PS3 and going back to standard definition games was just hard for my child brain, um, (laughs) which I know is petty. But um, I got really into it last year. I'm sure some of the audience remembers that I loved the Resident Evil VR uh, release that came out on Oculus Quest. Um, That game really i mean i loved the resident evil series at large but it almost feels like resident evil 4 is like a little subset you know it's kind of like persona 5 is like separate from persona um that's how almost how i view resident evil 4 in some ways um but i was really excited to see the, like the, what changes they did how they polished up the gameplay it is polished to a sheen like the gameplay is just impeccable now um I understand some people might not like every change they made, but I think it's like, I think it stands alongside the original, but there are certain things that are just like better in my opinion. Like Ashley as a character, I think is just better in remake. Yeah. She has way more depth and like, isn't so much of a damsel. I mean, she's still a damsel in the sense that Leon is a trained agent and Ashley's a, a woman. And she does. She's not ready for this, but she handles herself a lot better. Um, a woman. I don't know how she's just. That's, she doesn't. Say she's that not she's a special a, agent. She's like she's like a barely teenage girl. Like she's like nineteen. I and thought she, she was twenty two in this. I might be making that. Isn't up. Isn't she younger in the original? Yeah, or at least she looks a lot longer. Longer. She's longer. <laughs> I would say that she's a damsel in a sense that yes, Leon is a specially trained agent. Yeah, it's uh, she's twenty, in and both. she is a young woman, alone in the world with no combat training. And she looks, well, she looks like twenty year old now. She didn't. Look I guess 20 in the original. She's not really alone in the world because she's the president's daughter. <laughs> I feel like she's alone in this world, like in the yeah. world she got kidnapped into. Yeah. Did you ever see the Disney Channel original movie, My Date with the President's Daughter? Uh so long ago that I can't tell you a single thing about it. Is it like this though? No. Because it's not, Leon and Ashley aren't really romantic in this, in the remake. Yeah. But but I didn't know if like there were zombies in that movie. No. Just Wilfredell. Just who? Wilfredell. Will. Fredell. Yeah, I don't know who that is. He, uh, he was on, um, Boy Meets World? No. He was on something. It doesn't really matter because we're talking about about video games. I was going to say, should I talk about my next next candidate? Please do. Uh, My next candidate, and I sent Kelly a link um, for the reason it's the candidate. Um, Okay. Seeing now. It's nothing to see so much as here. Xenoblade Chronicles Future Redeemed came out. It is the DLC expansion for Xenoblade Chronicles 3, but it is a standalone video game, like, it is just like you open a separate menu and it has a start and an end and credits and everything. So, but. Andrew, I'm just warning you sound a little muddy right now. I think because you have the audio playing. Yeah. Do I sound better now? Yeah. Yeah. 
I think it. I I'm gonna be honest with you. I think that's Google Meet, not the audio I, files. I think so too. I just wanted to warn you in case it is the recording. Yeah. Well, if the if it is the recording, good news, everybody. Um, Merry Christmas. Oh, okay. Xenoblade Chronicles Future Redeemed really it, it surprised me at how good it was for an expansion. Um, it only took 15 hours, but it still had like a lot of the depth of a full-length JRPG. Um, ha- introduced a lot of interesting mechanics to the Xenoblade formula. Story-wise, it tied together 1, 2, and 3 really nicely. Um, especially as somebody who doesn't like Xenoblade 2, it kind of pulled some of those elements and mm, updated them to be a lot more akin to the sensibilities of 3, which is good because I think 3 is the most toned-back uh of the trilogy in a lot of ways um like it's it's not so self-indulgent it's mostly about the story and the characters and future redeemed is driven by its characters and oh my goodness the music the battle theme to future redeemed is why it's on this list i'm sorry it's just that the battle theme for this game is so good um and you know the craziest thing this isn't even the only dlc we're going to talk about today what isn't that that's nutty that is nutty I played another game this year that came out last year, but I don't have PC, and it came out on Switch this year, so I'm going to pretend <laughs> Case of the Golden Idol. I talked about this very recently, probably two or three episodes ago. It is a puzzle game where the whole purpose is they give you a couple screens of information. Somebody's already dead. Characters are doing things, and you're trying to solve how that person died, who killed them, why they wanted them dead. And then always the golden idol is involved in some way. The golden idol seems to carry around with it a lot of misfortune for characters. But I really appreciated what this game went for. I think I'm kind of getting into puzzle games more as time is going on. And this one isn't just like, like it doesn't hold your hand. You can brute force a couple solutions, but for the most part, you have to know what the answer is you have to understand what's going on you can't just put in random names in this word jumble and eventually get it right that would take you several hours so it really challenges you in a lot of ways and like it has a hint system uh baked in but the hints are like just as obtuse as the information they're just they basically just be like hey think about it differently and you're like wow thanks that's so helpful <laughs> oh, but it thanks. makes yeah but it makes it more it makes it more interesting so i i in that way i appreciate it and I had a really great time playing it. I highly recommend it. It's a cheap little indie. I think it was $15 when I got it. That might have been a sale price. I might be wrong. But it's definitely not expensive. And it's on Switch. And I know that the sequel, which just got announced at the Game Awards, Rise of the Golden Idol, is coming to everything. Coming to Switch, PlayStation, Xbox, uh, PC, and I. it seems like mobile. So I, I hope this is the start of something really great, a great franchise. A golden um, one, if you will say. Oh, you got him. Am I right? Am I right? You're right. You're Thanks. right. Thank you. Uh, do you want to do one of your two that aren't on my list? Yeah. Let's let's just do it. Let's just do it. So I'm going to do um two on my list that aren't on Andrews. <laughs> kind of like he just said. Um, like I said, I didn't play a ton of games this year, but I did play an expansion of a game that I have been a staunch defender of from day one. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the Cyberpunk 2077 DLC uh, slash expansion, Phantom Liberty, came out back in September. I played it. I enjoyed it. I did not finish it. I'm really almost done, you guys. I'm like literally like remember when I said um, like five minutes ago that I had a hard time finishing games and I just get to the end of them and then I don't finish them. Uh, That's kind of exactly what happened with Phantom Liberty, but I will finish it before the end of the year. But I put this as a candidate for my game of the year because I felt like Phantom Liberty was a full expansion, um, which justified its spot on as a game, in my opinion. Even it's though like, it's not, it's a like separate. a mini sequel. Yeah, even though it's not necessarily a separate game, um, it feels substantial enough. I also put it on my list because I felt like when I played it for the first time, I was coming in as someone who already enjoyed Cyberpunk and all of the changes that have been made to it since it came out, since its launch in 2020. Um, I feel like I've been there 
through every step of the journey. So I've really seen the way the game has evolved. And you can collect and understand how much insight and feedback that they really took in because so many of the quests in Phantom Liberty are just a lot more in-depth than any of the quests or missions, I guess they're called in Cyberpunk, any of the missions in the vanilla game. Um, And I felt like that depth really made not only the game more fun, but it made the universe more detailed. Um, I feel like going into Dogtown, which is the main setting for Phantom Liberty, was really unique. Um, Night City is a very unique setting for a video game, I feel, because it is this huge cyberpunk city, and it's very much, um, I'm not going to say it's open world because it's not, but I feel like they really expanded on that with Dogtown, and it almost feels like a separate universe. Not a separate universe, but it feels like you're going somewhere different, (laughs) and it would have been very easy to make it similar to the rest of Night City. I thought the characters in Phantom Liberty were really well written. Um, I think their motivations all made sense to me. And I think in a game like Cyberpunk where really nobody gets a happy solution to anything almost ever, um, I feel like it was very on theme with that as well. Um, Really no happy solutions for anybody. Um, Let's see what else. And I think that the game itself introduced a lot of new features or the expansion introduced a lot of new features to the game. They're done with Cyberpunk now. Um, well, they're done with Cyberpunk 2077. They just released their last update a couple weeks ago. And it's really interesting. It's got a lot of stuff that people have been asking for for a long time. It's got the Metro system, which is like crazy. Because people that was a mod for the game when it first came out for there to be a Metro system. And now it's just in the game. Um, so I think that Phantom Liberty helped show um cd project red that there was still a lot of passion and love for this property um which is good because i think it's a really interesting property i often don't feel that cyberpunk is done very well in a video game setting i think most of the time it's just like like background like here's the setting isn't it cool whereas like i think games like cyberpunk and to an extent like I was thinking about Stray, like Stray is in a cyberpunk setting. It's very interesting. Yeah, I feel like, that's a good point. I feel like both of those games use the setting to tell deeper stories about like humanity and, um, you know, deeper subjects than just like, whoa, isn't technology crazy? And it's going to be crazy in like 100 years. And it's like, yeah, but you want to get to like the heart of it the human themes behind the story which i think phantom liberty did a really great job at Mm -hmm. so i put it on my list for game of the year because i really enjoyed playing it and i can't even wait to finish it (laughs) (laughs) i think uh because i finished it a few days ago actually i would put it in my honorables um Mm -hmm. i don't think it's quite a candidate for me but i really did appreciate a lot of what i did i think uh, this is almost a positive but kind of a negative at the same time the thing that's keeping it from my candidates versus my honorables is that a lot of the things i liked about it were not anything to do with it it was actually the 2.0 update like mm. i really like the new perk system and i think that there were a lot of subtle tweaks to the uh shooting mechanics like to the actual gunplay mm-hmm. that make it feel way better than it did when i played it last year um, the base game, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost like the things I like about about this expansion are just part of Cyberpunk now. Mm-hmm. It's not like this expansion is just better. They just made the whole game better, which is great. I think if you haven't played Cyberpunk, now is the time. Like The perk system's really cool, but it was a little exhausting when I opened up the game because it's like, okay, you have to assign like 35 perk points. And I was like, yeah. whoa, what? It's easier to just go in fresh, yeah. for sure. So if you haven't played it, now's prime time. Get that Ultimate Edition or whatever. Because um, then at that point, like, the Phantom Liberty stuff wouldn't even feel like... It would just feel like part of the package. Like, you wouldn't... In my brain, I went back to it and it was so segmented. But if you just played the game now with, like, the Ultimate Edition that you can buy physically, mm-hmm. or just have both, I'm sure you can get them digitally. But um, 
it like it was so segmented it felt like a mini sequel to me and then like mm-hmm. i finished and i'm like sent back to night city and i'm just like oh i i guess i'm done i just shut off the game and i'm probably going to go back for some side content and stuff and i did watch a second ending that i was able to get quickly um but like the segmented thing i was there for did end so mm-hmm. but i appreciate a lot of what it did and i think songbird or so me is a great character um, mm-hmm. I thought I already said it, but I thought Idris Elba did a pretty good job. But Somi was just a much more compelling character as far as the new characters to me. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, not to get too in the weeds with it, but I think what they did that was really interesting in Phantom Liberty is they sort of set. I don't want to get too spoiler either. Maybe I won't. You know what? I don't want to spoil it. Never mind. <laughs> I feel like there were some interesting parallels between characters in Phantom Liberty and the characters of V and Johnny. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I also felt like, and I know Andrew feels differently, I also felt like Keanu did a better job in Phantom Liberty. No, I, I agree. And I think that the focal point being his and V's relationship is still my favorite part of the series and my favorite part of that DLC and my favorite part of Cyberpunk. I think it's very unique. I think it's something that it's such an interesting relationship, the way it evolves, the way that you as the player can change it. Um, and the way that, you know, it, it's kind of, well, I don't want to get too spoilery. I mean, I just think that the parallels are interesting. And that's something that I also enjoyed about Phantom Liberty. So I put it right smack on the list. I'm going to, I'll, I'll say I'm go. still not a Keanu like Stan, but mm-hmm. he was better in Phantom Liberty. Full credit. And I think that's also partially the writing because like it was way more focused on him and V. And, like, their relationship versus Johnny just being Johnny. Yeah, for sure. So, um, Before Kelly does any more, because what you got, what do you got? You got two that I, two more that I don't, well, I'll just talk, I'm just going to do another one because I don't like you very much. Right. Street Fighter 6. I've definitely never had a fighting game on my candidate list before except maybe Smash. So this was quite an exciting surprise for me. Um. But I just think this game was mechanically, like, incredible. It was super fun to play. The visuals were insanely good. I had tons of fun playing local multiplayer with some of my friends. And the story mode started really good. Um, I think it did falter pretty heartily in the last, like, hour. Because I was, it just required a lot of grinding, which is not fun in a fighting game. I did understand the RPG elements. I thought that was a cool idea, but, like... The grinding is not the part I want you to bring over. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, but I still did appreciate it. And I think local multiplayer is the reason I like it. Like it's the local multiplayer is perfect. It's incredible um, enough so that it is a candidate for game of the year for me. Wow. Give me wow. another one, Kelly. Give me another one of yours. Oh, okay. Well, I'll talk about a game that I played this year. It didn't come out this year. It came out like 10 years ago. It counts. Um, It counts. (laughs) But it is constantly being updated with new things and exciting happenings. And that is why I put Final Fantasy XIV, the critically acclaimed MMORPG, on my um, game of the year list. Because I played this game for the first time this year. Yeah. Um, And I really enjoyed it. I feel like I'm not an MMO person. I never have been. It's very overwhelming for me, and I also don't have a ton of, like, people in my personal life that play MMOs, and I think sometimes the fun of an MMO is being able to connect with pe- with friends and do stuff together. Um, so I was a little bit nervous going into this, but I think that the game itself does a really great job of setting you up to be for the single-player stuff. Um, I don't know how many hours I put into Final Fantasy 14. I haven't played it in a while, but I was on a huge kick back in like, I don't know, April maybe? I was going to say it was a pretty serious 14 bender. <sighs> yeah, it got it got kind of intense. Um, it's really <laughs> fun though, and I feel like if you don't like MMOs, you, you can still find a lot of enjoyment in this game, especially if you're a fan of the Final Fantasy sort of universe and vocabulary. Um there is some interesting lore that happens in the game. Um, and it's just fun for people who don't, like like I said, like me, for people who don't play MMOs, I think that you will still glean a lot of enjoyment from Final Fantasy fourteen, And it's free up to level yeah. 60. So that's, that's a big... A lot of, that's a lot of game, though. That is. And I, and I 
I'm not level 60 yet. So it's like I am still, you know what I mean? Like, and I played a lot. So it's, you re- like you said, it's it's a lot of game you can play for free. So it's kind of like it's, Lego Fortnite. It's free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. I feel like I just took your train and threw it off of the tracks. No, it's, I, uh, that was great. <laughs> I don't know why my impulsive thought was to talk to say that. I liked that you said that because we haven't talked about Fortnite at all in this episode. So I haven't played. I didn't play Fortnite this year. So now that's a lie. I think I was. I was, was going to say you literally played it like a week ago when we were when you oh, were talking about Lego. Two Fortnite. games doesn't count. That is playing the game. I'm sorry. Okay. That is. Playing I also the game. I did play. I was like finishing my stint with it in January. So. I did play this year. It was just many months ago. Right, right. Um, Kelly is upset at me because I changed the order of my list um, because I realized we should probably talk about a shared game last. But my next game that I'm going to talk about is Pikmin 4. I think... Pikmin! Pikmin, Pikmin! Um, (laughs) I don't think this game was a surprise in the sense that I have played Pikmin games before. Well, I played Pikmin 3 before. And I loved it, so I was like, well, 4 is going to be good. Um, And this game was good. Um, It was way vaster than I expected. There was a lot more to do, a lot more to see, a lot more to obtain than I ever expected, which was really cool. And I appreciated everything they were doing. Visually, very nice, clearly pushing the Switch to its limits. But hey, it pulled something cool off, and I really appreciated how, how much there was to do. But it wasn't ever overwhelming. It was just a cool amount of stuff to do. They removed the limit on your days. And it's just about having a good time and exploring this world and seeing all the cool creatures that it has. Uh, I can't recommend this game highly enough. There's a demo of it. So if you have a Switch and you're even a little bit interested in this exploration tactical game. I don't know how else to... It's not really tactical. It's more of a strategy game. You have your little Pikmin with you. But um, the exploration is the best part for me, you know? Managing my Pikmin's kind of fun, but that part's pretty easy and streamlined, so it's not stressful at any point. Um, so it's much, much, much more about the exploration for me, and I had a lovely time with it. Played more of it than I have played of every other Pikmin combined. It is long. Like, I've played one, two, three, and three deluxe, and the runtime of those four things combined is shorter than Pikmin 4. Um, Pikmin 4 is a big game. Um, but it works. It doesn't overstay its welcome. I mean, it's not crazy long. I think I said I've spent a little under 30 hours. So uh, highly recommend it. In a Pikmin. sense, a surprise. In a sense, a surprise on the list. Oh. Uh, because I didn't expect it would come out ever. Oh. <laughs> uh, my penultimate candidate for game of the year is Annapurna released Cocoon. This was a little puzzle game that came out starring a little uh, moth dude who walks around with a big old ball on his back. Toss the ball on a little metal platform. Jump inside the ball. There's puzzles inside the ball. Oh, you got another ball? Cool. Carry that around. That also has puzzles inside that ball. And then you could put one ball inside the other ball and then take the other ball out of the other ball and then do puzzles on each ball. There's puzzles inside all of them. What? <laughs> Cocoon, this is crazy. Cocoon is one of the hardest games to talk about. <laughs> Once you're like in it, you're like, oh, it makes it. Okay, I got you. I got you. Right. Explaining it with words is not possible. It's just a really pretty, simplistic, well, visually simplistic, but very stark uh, puzzle game with very nice gameplay that feels snappy, quick straightforward and it like doesn't let you get too lost it'll if you're like in a puzzle zone it'll lock you in there so you know you're in the right place you're like oh the puzzle is in this room i don't have to worry about that um and i really appreciated what it did it was a a sweet short and sweet little game i think it took me about four hours so i extremely highly recommend it It was on game pass didn't have to pay for it that's how many games were on two of my candidates were on game pass i thought it was more a bunch of my honorables are though so but that's my last uh, – well, I have one more candidate, but I'll let Kelly read her last two candidates first. Sure. Sure. So I'll talk a little bit about my last two candidates, uh, one that Andrew did not – well, 
Andrew just started playing. I was going to say, I have some thoughts that I want to share, but yours are way more informed than mine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So as we know, I've talked a lot about Baldur's Gate 3 this year, which was the Jeffy's Game of the Award, uh, Game of the Year Award winner. (laughs) I got so hung up on the the word Jeffy's that I messed everything else up. I like Game Um, of the Award. Game of the Award of the Year of the Jeff. Um, (laughs) Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, came out back in August. Well, July for you, right? July for me, but just barely, July 31st. Um, I finished my very first playthrough at 78 hours. Um, I finished it this morning. Wow. <laughs> I So this is going to sound crazy, but I started one playthrough. I stopped. I started another one. I stopped. And then I started my final one, which is the one I finished. So even though that one took 78 hours, I probably played well over 100 hours of this game. I was going to say, you, that's not accounting. Didn't you put like 45 hours into Act 1 Early Access last year? Uh, Yeah. I, c- I could actually, I could throw, I could check Steam right now. Yeah, check your see. Steam stats for Early Access and the full game. Because I'm like curious what all the combined, because 78 hours is like, oh, that's that's a lot. But like, that makes sense. But like... Steam says I've uh, spent 261.2 hours playing this game. Okay. That's a little more than 80. <laughs> <laughs> um, which does not actually shock me because I did I did play a lot of early access. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just finished Baldur's Gate 3. I, I, I feel like I've talked so much about this game. Um, I don't even know where to start, where to end. Um, I am a big fan of RPGs. I think that it is a lost art if you will um i think a lot of rpgs that come out these days just sort of use the word as like oh you can you have a skill tree yeah and it's like okay but it's not really an rpg um just this having like customizable the, this is one of the only pure J- like rpgs out there genuinely yeah yeah and i think it is um i think that it is really an incredible feat that the studio that Larian made this game. Um, I think it's a studio that has been through a lot. They lost their cinematic lead, like their cinematic designer, like right before the game launched, which is really sad. Um, And I just feel like there's, I've never played a game like this. The only thing that I can compare it to, and you're going to laugh, but the only thing I can compare it to is Dragon Age Origins. I feel like these are the only two like pure, pure RPGs that I've played in my life. Um, besides besides like D D tabletop D D. <laughs> literal literal rpgs not video games yeah so um i put it on my list because i felt like i couldn't not put it on my list i feel like this game was made for me specifically um i think it's it's interesting too the way you really you spend so much time with these characters you spend so much time with them and it's so funny being here from early access like you really only get a couple hours with them in early access. A couple hours of content, I should say. I mean, you can play early access for hours and hours and hours and still discover new stuff. But the character moments, you only get a few in early access. Yeah. But now that the full game's out, you really spend so much time with these characters. They start to feel very real. I feel like they're written so well. Um, and they're just... The performances are, like, incredible. I... I feel like everyone brought their A game. People who have never voiced in video games before are delivering incredible performances. It's like I it's it's it was so, you can tell this game was such a labor of love and that's why I put it on my list. I really I couldn't agree with you more. I obviously I have about 10 hours in. Well, okay, I have the game says 7 hours, but like I've done a lot of like save scumming um not always on purpose. Um <laughs> Uh, like the one battle I was just wildly underleveled for and I did it three times before I won and like each attempt was like 20 or so minutes so like those 40 minutes are just gone like they're not counted which is a little disappointing but hopefully PlayStation you know keeps better count than the game in that sense mm-hmm. but I'm also in love with it so far and my only huge problem with it and it is a big problem is I'm overwhelmed like it's mm-hmm. a lot of game yeah and like I made friends with a dog and I talk to him. He's like, sup, my name's Scratch. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're so Aww. cute. 
But now I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, now there's a dog in the picture. Like that's overwhelming almost. And it, <laughs> it like appears he just hangs out at camp. But for some reason, I'm overwhelmed. I'm like, oh my goodness, there's somebody else to worry about now. Yeah, I and get like, that. I was yelling at you last night because I saw you in person, and I was like yelling at you. I'm like, Kelly, I don't like, I can't pick party members. Like <laughs> you can only have three with you, and I want all of them. I know that's the hardest thing about the game is like, and there's content too that is that you just stumble on that is super relevant to certain characters. So it's hard to like know who to bring with you all the time. Yeah. Like there's just a random NPC in a place in act two that is like integral to the, a romance line of one of the companions and you could totally miss her. And it's like, and there's, do they not hint? Like, does that character not say like, make sure you take me along? No. Okay. Not at I just, all. I just got a new, uh, I got a new tiefling character and she was like, hey, I want to go kill these people. Make sure I'm with you. Sometimes it is like, okay, I should definitely have this person with me. But the game also didn't make me. Like I had the option to go just do it. Yeah. And And then you can go to camp later and talk to them about it and they'll be like, why didn't you bring them with you? Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes it's very obvious when you should bring certain people to certain places. Like yeah. for certain like companion quests, you would never be like, I'm going to leave them at home because I'm going to deal with their problem for them. It's like it doesn't really make sense. And sometimes the game even makes you like there's a quest in Act 3. It's a companion quest. I won't get too spoilery, but you can show up and the person who's kind of like the main quest person is like, come back when you've got your companion with you. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> Don't do that. Like, yeah. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it's very straightforward, but sometimes it's. A little bit more just like deductive, like, okay, I'm doing this. I should probably bring Lazelle or something like that. Yeah. I'm really, I'm excited to see more. It's probably going to take me, I I might dig my teeth into it a lot over our winter break. Um, It's going to be kind of a, a, a dependent on how busy I am and also what games I want to finish. Um, And I'm also scared because like there's a lot of games starting to come out in like a month and a half which we'll talk about next episode, but oh my goodness, the beginning of next year is packed. So yeah. I should probably just sit at home and play this game instead of doing any holiday obligations. I agree. You can but, spend the holidays with your companions in Baldur's Gate 3. Sorry, family. I have to hang out with Astarian. <laughs> you laugh, but I've used it, the excuse before. So. <laughs> uh I feel like this game would have definitely been on my candidates. I, I'm going to put it on. It's on my candidates. Wow. But I'm also going to tell you it's not going to win. But like right. it's still there. It's not an honorable. It is a candidate. It's up there. It's just because of my. Uh, because of. The fact that I wasn't able to play it as much because I, you know, I played so many things this year, but that meant that it took me a while to get to this game. And I finally yeah. cleared out the backlog that I wanted to. So I have time for it fully. Yeah. So should we perhaps talk about our final shared candidate? Yeah, let's. Dum, 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 dum. Our final shared candidate is Diablo 4. Just kidding. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking. Um, No, our actual. That's only funny if people understand our opinions on Diablo 4. Yeah. And I guess the fact that I sang Zelda music. Our actual shared candidate would be The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which came out this May. I feel like this is another game we talked so much about. Oh my Um, goodness, so much. So I don't want to say too much uh, now. No, I don't. (laughs) But I feel like I put this game on my candidate list because I feel like I had so much fun when I played it. It was so... In hindsight, looking back on it, I do think it is just a little bit too... I mean, it's a sequel. Um, But at the same time, it did so much new stuff and and the capabilities that the game put in your hands just like on a physics basic uh, basis um, really made this game special for me. It's always a, it's a game that I will always remember for the time that it came out, the time that I spent playing it, the way that I felt when I played it. I mean, I think it's 
a very memorable game. And I think it's one of the best games to come out this year. I think it's one of the best Zelda games. Um, it's definitely the best. Mm, I was going to say it's the best sequel, but I actually really like Majora's Mask. So it's hard to say that. I think for me, because um, I'm not going to go too deep into specifics because we talked about it so much in May, but like this game is, I'm going to be overt, and obviously this is my opinion, so take it with a grain of salt. This game is better than Breath of the Wild, definitively. But Breath of the Wild was such a absolute earth-shattering game. Like, what it did for games was shocking and crazy. This game takes that and makes it just better with the new uh, Ultra Hand and Fuse abilities and stuff. It gives you way more freedom mechanically and allows you to do so many creative solutions to the to all the in- wildly different problems they provide you. But it is based on the Breath of the Wild formula, which means that it can't hit quite as hard, you know? Like, it has surprises. It's like, oh, the Sky Islands are cool, and the Underground is cool. But you will never be as shocked and, like, in that awe of discovery as you will when you played Breath of the Wild for the first time. No matter how amazing the game is, and it is amazing, and I love it, very, very much. It, uh, they kind of were working with a, an aged beast in a sense, you know, like it, mm-hmm. it had been done and they used the same. It's the same formula. It's the go to shrines, ma- make your health bigger, make your stamina better. Go to four dungeons that are called something different than they were last time, but they're the same thing. You know, like the temples are better. OK, thematically, the temples are better than the divine beasts. I love the Divine Beasts. I just wish they didn't all look the same. Yeah. Like, definitely. I think Divine Beasts had very cool gimmicks to them that made them really interesting. This game, they also have really cool gimmicks for all the temples, but it's more focused on making sure they're thematically way different. And getting to them is a lot cooler. Because in Breath of the Wild is like one somewhat, it was a cool but simple quest, but in this game, it's getting to the temples is way more intense and way more to it. Um, and I think. I know Kelly hasn't seen the ending, so I won't get specific, but, like, the way that the story wraps up is very good. And also, like, Matt Mercer kills it as Ganondorf. Um, So I really did appreciate where it went. It still is not perfect because telling a perfect story in this... uh, Because, like, the difference between, like, this and Baldur's Gate 3 is Baldur's Gate 3, you're driven by story, whereas Tears of the Kingdom, you're driven by mechanics first, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, if we have you just running around and making weird machines and flying and jumping and exploring and climbing, it's it's a lot harder to stop you in your tracks to watch a cutscene all the time or to talk to people all the time. Where does Baldur's Gate 3, the exciting part, is the talking to people. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of where those... I think for me, and we've said this during the Game of the Year stuff, the real competition this year, not to be spoilery... Uh, of our talks, but is between Tears of the Kingdom and Baldur's Gate 3. Because those are the two games that came out and shook things, you know? Yeah. And I like that they're not similar, you know? They both have a very intense... Like, there's the the crux of the matter is that they have a very intense focus, and their focuses are not the same, you know? They're both adventure... Games where you're on an adventure of sorts, but they're not doing the same thing on a mechanical design level um and then for i guess for that reason it's a really interesting competition yeah so but we've been doing this for a while i'm gonna speed round some uh honorable mentions if that's okay with you kelly yeah i'll just get, like get on going one to two sentences about all these games i played that i loved but they're not on the list and i need them to be acknowledged well the first one i'll let you talk about too since okay first entry and these are also in uh alphabetic or sorry chronological order of the releases fire emblem engage i think think this game mechanically was excellent the battles were fantastic the level design was great um the units were really good mechanically because the story fell quite a bit short for me i wasn't able to appreciate it as much and it wasn't able to hit uh it wasn't able to reach my candidates personally yeah i um 
I will agree. I think the gameplay was quite fun. I did not think that the gameplay could save this game because I thought the story was uh, hot garbage. <laughs> I thought the characters were boring and trite. There were like three that I liked. Um, the most exciting part of the game for me was when I got the expansion pass uh, and I got Claude and Dimitri and Edelgard from uh, Three Houses as yeah. units. So I do apologize to uh, engage heads out there. It just wasn't the Fire Emblem game for me. And I like Fire Emblem games that have a little bit more meat to the story. And I like Fire Emblem games that, I mean, this is something that happens in Fire Emblem. The character tropes kind of repeat themselves because they're archetypes in the series at this point. But um, they were really bad in this game. I was going to say this one was the biggest offender in that. I, I am so sorry that this is the case because I really wanted to like this game and I wanted to have fun, but. And the main character just is so hard to look at upon with my eyes. Terrible design. I'm so yeah. sorry to the designer. I don't mean to be so mean. I just, I can't bear it any longer. Um, <laughs> especially with time, I feel very much like I would never revisit this game ever. So No, I am i don't regret playing it. I did spend more time. It, I spent 50 hours in it and I didn't realize, which makes sense. It was a, you know, full length Fire Emblem game. But yeah. I did enjoy it and I'm not, I don't regret playing it, but I'll never come back to it either. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Speed round time. Woe Long Fallen Dynasty was a game from Team Ninja. This game is kind of similar to the Neo series. Well, it's very similar to the Neo, se- Neo series mechanically. Um, I played through it on Game Pass. I had an incredibly good time. I think that the parry mechanic was really fun and the action was extremely high octane and well worth my time. Very highly recommended. Available on Game Pass. Humanity came out. That This game was the closest to hitting my candidates of this entire honorables. Um, It is a puzzle game, kind of lemming style, so you'll be guiding a ton of just faceless humans around as a little uh, ghostly little Sheba. Um, You're just trying to guide them to the goal, and it's as simple as that, but they introduce a ton of different mechanics, ton of different options for you that make it really interesting, really engaging. The visuals are extremely simple on purpose, and the music's really trippy, and this was from the developers of Tetris Effect, and I really appreciated what they did, and I'm excited to see more of it. Star Wars Jedi Survivor was a surprise for me because I don't really like licensed games that often, but I thought this game mechanically was really, really tight, and the characters were way better written than they were in Jedi Fallen Order. Um, I know that this series will keep going, so I am excited to see where it goes. I think if they let them stretch their legs even more, because this game was starting to do that, they could have a really, really special game on their hands in the next few years. Sea of Stars, Indie Darling, coming from Sabotage. Uh... Chrono Trigger inspired RPG. Absolutely loved it. Um, I think for me, the story did not drive me. It was the mechanics and the characters that did so. I think if that story was a little more special, it would have pushed it easily onto my candidates. Um, But the gameplay was so fun and the characters were so lovable that I still want to make sure it's mentioned. It's also available on Game Pass and PlayStation Plus. So give that a look if you have not yet. Spider-Man 2 is so fun. It's just fun. I don't. I feel like I don't need to talk a ton about it. It's just a really fun game. I think the story is very unchallenging, f- like to think about. It just happens and it's fun. But like the gameplay is just so satisfying to go through, even if it doesn't shake anything up that crazily. I had a great time playing it, so gotta mention it. Watermelon slash Suica game. This game is the the dropping puzzle game where you drop fruit and then it combines with other fruit to become bigger fruit and then you want to make all the big fruit combine into the biggest fruit, which is the watermelon. Uh, it's like five bucks on the eShop. Please try this game, guys. It's so silly. <laughs> it made me so happy. Jusson. This game came out very recently. Again, available on Xbox Game Pass as well as PC Game Pass. And... Uh, You're just climbing a mountain, essentially, trying to understand what happened to this world that was suffering from a drought. Uh, I loved the simple mechanic that went with the climbing. Left trigger is your left hand, right trigger is your right hand. You move around and climb a a mountain. Have a great time doing it. Um, The visuals are very simple and very deliberate, and I liked that a lot about it. Music was really nice, and it was a nice three-hour little journey that I had a great time doing. Highly, highly recommend it. Super Mario Bros. Wonder was just a fantastic Mario game. The Wonder mechanic really shook up the series in a way that it needed to. I am I have lost interest in 2D Mario, and the Wonder mechanic brought me back. 
That's all I gotta say. Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name. We I also talked about this not that long ago, so I'm not gonna go too deep. But this is a great entry in the Like a Dragon series that really allowed Kiryu to become a vulnerable character in ways that he hadn't before. And for that reason alone, absolutely loved it and had a fantastic time with it. And then I'm going to cheat. Persona 5 Royal didn't come out this year. I just played it. and I Cheater! It. Straight up cheating. Cheater! I'm straight up cheating right now. But that's just, I'm not going to talk about it. I talked about it so much. I just have to mention it. Oh, right. Kelly, what was your biggest disappointment of 2023 video games? Um, Tears of the Kingdom. Just kidding. That was just a little throwback because I joked that Di- Diablo 4 was a candidate for game of the year. <laughs> uh, Diablo 4 was my dick. Oh, my gosh. Diablo 4 is my biggest disappointment. <laughs> um. I felt like I played the first few hours of this game and then I had fun and then I tried to play more and then it was like, oh, yep, it's all the same, isn't it? Uh-huh. And it's not fun anymore, is it? And nope. nothing's changed and nothing's getting better. Yep. Um, I felt that it got very stale and I oh, think yeah. that's why it's disappointing. It's not that I was particularly looking forward to this game. It's that I actually played this game and I enjoyed my time and then I stopped enjoying my time and that to me is one of the worst sins in gaming because I played Cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> December 2020 and you know what I enjoyed it and I kept enjoying it and if I can enjoy a launch like that I'm just saying that I think the biggest disappointment is when the game you play the game and you have fun and then you stop having fun I think that's really a shame which is why Diablo 4 is my biggest disappointment this year I will say, while I felt that Starfield was disappointing, I wouldn't call it a disappointment because I didn't play enough of it to be disappointed. Um, which I guess you could classify as a big disappointment anyway. I feel like I wasn't as excited for Starfield as I probably could have been as someone who generally enjoys Bethesda games. Um, I think the cracks were showing before we even had it, so... Yeah, I think the marketing was kind of weird for Starfield. And I feel like I was only really excited for it like the month before it came out. And then I played it and uh, it was really unpleasant to play on my PC. So that sort of halted anything that could have happened. It probably runs better now. It probably plays better now. I have no interest in playing it anymore. If I could play it on console, I might try, but I can't because I don't have an Xbox. So. Maybe in a few years when it comes to PlayStation. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, <laughs> Switch 2, you mean? Right, right. I'll play it on the Switch 2 and blow my house up. <laughs> um, you hit the nail on the head so hard with Diablo 4, I'm not even going to add anything. It really was. It was fun for a bit and then just completely fell into nothing. And it's like, wow, that's a real, that's sad. It's a um, real stinker. Yeah. And Starfield, for me, what happened was I played probably like five or six hours and I was having fun. And then I put it down for two days and I was just like, oh, I'm not picking it back up. And mm-hmm. that sucked because I had a fun like couple days with it. But if you step away for a second, all momentum's lost. And it's like, that's a horrible sign. It's just not very engaging. No, not, not at all. to. It's not very fire emblem engaging. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that you said it. It's that you're that proud of it. It was so stupid. Um, I have two other ones to add. WarioWare Move It. It really frustrated me. It was, I think for me, it was just the $50 price tag, hour and a half playtime. And yeah, an hour that's... and a half playtime full of very, very slow tutorials in a game that's supposed to be about extremely fast pace. Um, very frustrating, very disappointing. And then for me, this one's kind of contentious, but Final Fantasy 16. I think there's a, there's a incredible game in there, but there's so much fluff that just drags the package down. If Final Fantasy 16 was like 15 hours long, maybe 20, it would have been top of the line, exceptional. So many cool things happen. The characters are really well written. They're incredibly well acted. It's visually stunning. The high points are so high, but there's so many low points and so many slow parts of the story. 
So it's just, I, I have to put it here. It really did disappoint me in a lot of ways. I think it's a good game. I still think it is worth playing when it's on sale, probably. But f- because I I also hyped it so much. Like, I was so excited for this game for so long. So I guess it really does fall into that disappointment category because, like, I, I don't... I try not to hype games unless I'm, like, really, really confident. So when that falls through, it is it is a disappointment. Yeah. I, I, um, I did not play as much Final Fantasy 16 as you did. I didn't finish it. Um, I would like to go back and revisit it, especially now that the DLCs are coming out. I um, enjoyed it, and I feel like some of the plot, not plot, some of the like side quest structure is very similar to 14, uh, which is maybe why I enjoyed it a little bit more. I also really like Clive. I think he's a... Oh, he's great. I think he's just, to me, he's just a different sort of Final Fantasy protagonist. I think a lot of the protagonists we've gotten over the years are sort of similar, sorry to say. Um, No, you're right. He's not moody. Clive is just a lot more earnest, which makes me like him a lot more. To me, he seems very traditionally like high fantasy protagonist. Mm, Yeah. Um, And I I like that about him. And I, you know, there are certain story beats that I wasn't like in love with, but... Um, yeah, I would like to revisit Final Fantasy 16. I don't feel as uh, disappointed by it as you do, but I can imagine, you know, it's if just, I played more, I might have a more re- rounded, well-rounded opinion on it. It really just fell flat because of all the fluff in the middle of the game, like the nothing quests that are really boring. You know, that's just what yeah, got me. For sure. But, I just love Clive. I do anything. I, I do him. love Clive. I think the cast is fantastic. I think Jill, I think Joshua, I think Clive, I think Sid, Whoa. I think. Careful there. I think Sid, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's, I'm I'm not. If, if Final Fantasy right. is allowed to post a picture of him, I'm allowed to say his name. Yeah, if he's allowed to be in the trailer, I think. Uh... Yeah, I think I'm okay. <laughs> um, Kelly. Yes? Who's Okay, let's play rock, paper, scissors. Uh, losers go first. All right, okay. ready? Ready? Yep. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. All right, I can't we gotta see go yours. again. We both went scissors. You need to put oh, your hand sorry. in the camera. Sorry. Rock, Rock paper, paper, paper scissors, scissors, shoot. shoot. All right, Rock, we both got scissors. Paper, paper scissors, shoot. shoot. We both did paper. Rock, Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. I win. It's really hard to do. I've never noticed the latency between us on google <laughs> until we were trying to time up rock paper scissors yeah um just so you know audience i got rock and she got scissors which means i get to go second for game of the year so kelly you're first my game of the year is probably sounded terrible <laughs> it, it was a little rough uh, my game of the year is a uh, baldur's gate three Woo! It is my game of the year for all the reasons that I listed earlier. Uh, I don't have to say much more uh, (laughs) because I think I will be playing this game forever. Over and over and over again. Because I'm going to tell you something, Andrew. Uh I already started a new playthrough. You finished it this morning. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That's me. She's in it, folks. (laughs) She's committed. Sorry. No, I'm not. Andrew, what's your game of the year? 2023. I was, I was fully prepared for you to talk for a while. And then you were like, yeah, we already talked about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, we'd like discussed things for a while. <laughs> My game of the year 2023. And I told Kelly this going into the episode was not decided when I started the episode. But I decided and I'm confident in saying after discussing it specifically, my game of the year in 2023 is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Woo! I just think mechanically it just hits, you know? It's just it's just, it just was so satisfying and fun. Truly yes. fun to play through. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciated what Nintendo did with that game. But yeah. that's a wrap that's on 2023. That my friends is a wrap. Uh, that was good. That was you should yeah keep it. Going. <laughs> you got I this. just feel like we have spoken so much. 
this episode. It's hard to summarize. I think 2023 was a, an incredible year for gaming. For oh games. my goodness, yeah. I think a lot of really awesome games came out this year. Um, unfortunately, on the flip side, I think it was not so great a year for the industry. A lot mm-hmm. of layoffs, a lot of people losing their livelihoods. Um, and I think that sort of always needs to be at the core of the conversations that we have because none of these games would exist without the people that make them. Um, not to end on a sour note, but... No, it's important. That's important. The only thing I can say on that regard is I hope that it kind of decentralizes things, makes the industry step back and realize, okay, this wild AAA industry we've developed is not sustainable. And we're yeah. now we're now seeing the fruits of our failure, you know? <laughs> Yeah, for like, sure. It's not going to work anymore. We got to stop. Yeah. Um, People first. People first always. I guess yeah. that's, I'll say that. Cheers specifically to the developers for what you did this year. Yeah. Really, really incredible games made under crazy conditions, Um, which should not be the case. But we here at Talking Games... Appreciate your listenership as always. Um, is there going to be an episode on the 26th? Yeah. Okay. I was going to do some year end stuff, but I will, uh, I will keep it. I will keep it for next week. I was going to say, I'm going to cry in the next episode, but I'll, I'll save that. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks wanna, so much. I don't want to make you cry before Christmas. Right, right, right. Just oh, after yeah. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas Woo! to those who celebrate. I hope you have a safe and happy holiday with your family or friends or your dog or your cat or your lemur or your lizard. Or your companions in Baldur's Gate 3. Or Astarian. The... <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to say what he is. Uh, or Astarian. Your companion. Astarian the cutie. And also my husband in Baldur's Gate 3. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next week for a brand spanking new episode as we dive into 2024. Bye.